You're having a threesome with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. And I am Rob. So you know how you ask your friends where you should take your first date? What on earth this text means? And if it's okay to post a certain pic on the socials? Well, that's what we call your village, and we think you can't date or relate without them. Welcome to our village, and you should be pumped to be here because we are bringing you expert guests who are filled with all the answers that will take some of the guessing out of the game. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends so we can help the village grow even bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. In a game of $20,000 Pyramid, the clues would be because they have babies, because they can multitask, they have a high level of emotional intelligence, because they have a high tolerance for pain, they are the muses of historical art and music, and because wars have been fought over them. The answer? Why women are superior to men. You guessed it, Rob. Well, we have all definitely heard versions of this phrase before, even you. And we probably all have our own reasons as to why we can argue the validity of that theory. So today we are excited, maybe not Rob, but everybody else here, me and Lauren, to have Dr. Ricky Aronson, author of the popular book, Women Are Superior to Men, you heard it right, in to discuss why he believes this idea to be true. And the eight reasons that back up the theory. Eight is plenty. I was good with just one theory. But there's also the number one issue that couples fight about and what they can do to start arguing and what the mysterious boxes that men retreat to and how to get them to come back out. How do we get them back out, guys? Dr. Ricky Aronson is a dual-trained endocrinologist and geriatrician who lives in Perth, Western Australia, with his wife of 20 years. Oh boy, he's doing something right, and their four kids. He is the director of the Murdoch Endocrinology and Diabetes Center and the head of the Department of the Geriatric Medicine at Royal Perth Hospital. As head of a major hospital working with patients who have reached 100 years of age, Ricky has asked them the secret to their longevity. And surprisingly, it wasn't just eating Asahi berries and doing yoga. It was having a long-term positive relationship. His outrageously funny yet serious book, Women Are Superior to Men, explores why so many couples have the same arguments about how often to have sex, how men don't notice or pick up the mess they leave lying around, and how men communicate in grunts, or jokes when their wives are looking for a serious conversation. It's an easy guide to creating and maintaining a magical relationship filled with love, joy, and better and more frequent sex. Dr. Ricky has helped over 30,000, you guys, 30,000 patients. He holds numerous medical records and was awarded a Lifetime Outstanding Service Award by Royal Perth Hospital. He's written over 100,000 pages about human sensitivity, conflict management, and happy, productive marriages. He has also founded several businesses. He owns a private medical practice. He is a stand-up comedian. How do you have time for all this, Dr. Ricky? And like we said, he lives with his wife and kids, and he is going to change your mind, Rob. We are going to get him in here, and he is going to 
tell you how it is and you're going to love him. Watch. I was buying everything until I heard stand-up comedian and now um, I now I'm blown again. No. <laughs> Come on. We're going to discuss and hopefully find out how keeping women feeling acknowledged and appreciated is rooted in men poking fun at some of their shortcomings. And I'm going to try my best not to get too offended along the way. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ricky. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Well, how's it going on the other side of the world? You're, you're in Perth, Australia right now, right? Well, strangely, we're actually ahead of you in time, which is quite ironic because Perth is actually such a small town place. Yeah, how, how far ahead are you than, than us right now? About it's, it's At the moment, it's half past 11 in the morning here. Okay, oh, wow. geez. So you're like uh, 13 hours ahead of me, and I'm two hours ahead of the girls. So this is interesting. We're all in different sleepy time. <laughs> right yeah. I, can, I can actually give you tomorrow's stock prices if you want. That would be great. And all the Wheel of Fortune puzzles would be fantastic. Let's just <laughs> yeah. cheat on every game show while you're over there. That's incredible. It's like Back to the Future. Or not at all, because I don't know references. No. Yeah. You're <laughs> kind of. You're kind of right. A okay. Bit. Yeah, you're a little bit right. Travel. Okay. Uh, well, by the way, Jen, Back to the Future is a great example of a movie that never dated. Uh, it, I actually showed it to my kids, and they still loved it. So. Yeah, it's a good one. They're remaking it, so let's just... Are they? Know, With who? They're trying, to, they're trying to remake everything. They made Back to the Future into a, a, a Broadway show. Oh, that I, I saw a post about. But I think they're trying to remake it, which is like, just leave shit alone. Just leave it alone. Unless yeah. it's going to be remaking better. Shit. It's never better. It's never better. No. No. But so, Dr. Ricky, speaking of things that are better, did you ever think that being an endocrinologist would ever lead you down a path of discussing the major differences between men and women? And do you find that this new role you have found yourself in is better than the medicine you originally practiced? That's a, that's a fantastic question. I don't know if I can give a very intelligent answer to it. Um, I, I'm still very involved in my medical career and I'm, I'm doing a lot of endocrinology, so that's fantastic. But I do think with whatever people do in life that um, if you don't find something different to focus yourself on all the time, you, you get stuck in a rut. So for me, this was something of a serendipitous journey that got me here. Um, is it better? Uh, we, we're living in such politically challenging times that I'm finding that it's it's a, it's a bit of a scary place to be in many ways because there's so so much negative politics about gender and sexuality at the moment, and I, I wanted to inject something positive back into that space. Um, I think men and women are actually amazing, and I have nothing against people who are different. But I think you know being married to a woman is fantastic and I, I wouldn't give it away for anything so I wanted to celebrate that and do something positive in that space make people laugh a bit and I guess um, one of my big journeys in in my medical career has been from um, being um, a, a doctor to being a medical leader and that's also happened very much by luck not by design I've kind of just been put in these positions that I didn't expect and with that's come a great deal of learning about relationships and people and managing people. And it's become something of a passion of mine. I, I started teaching doctors courses on managing people and understanding what makes people tick. Because doctors don't manage diseases, they manage people who have diseases. And it's something which I'm not certain we always learn that well at medical school. And so it's something I've been teaching other doctors. And in fact, I'm very excited because I've just been I'm given another course to run to try and develop medical leadership in my state. Um, which I'm very passionate about. So in that path, I ended up running a 
medical leadership course that my wife attended very reluctantly. She just wanted professional development and she said, oh, come along. She said, oh, sure, I won't learn anything. It'll be really boring, very encouraging. Um, and she came along and she absolutely loved it. And she said to me, hey, you should write a book. And I'd never thought of that before. And I went, really? But she who must be obeyed just said, you're writing a book, that's it. So I started writing and it, I wrote a lot about relationships in general. And that culminated in me writing about men and women because it, it's kind of the easiest place to start. So it, it really wasn't something I expected to do. Um, I'm very excited about writing and talking about these issues now. But as I said earlier, whether it makes your life easier, I don't know. You get a lot of hate and a lot of difficulty now because as soon as you mention heterosexuality or gender, it makes a lot of people very angry, which I think is, is really silly because I don't think being excited about marriage and heterosexuality and trying to support couples doesn't in any way prejudice you against anyone who's different or in any way talk to people who are gay or trans or anything else. So I think that's a really negative political uh, ideology that's come through that supporting something means you're anti something else, which it really doesn't. That's a really long answer to a really simple question. I totally agree with what you just said. And the like people jumping to being super offended by everything needs to stop because you're allowed to make a statement and have an opinion about something. And it doesn't mean like you said that you're anti the other things that live on the opposite end of the spectrum. So you wrote a book that is very, the title is probably very polarizing why women are superior to men, right? But like you said, before all of our male listeners and including our host gets offended and cancels you, (laughs) explain why this book is entertaining. And like kind of that statement is like meant to be, sort of cheeky but also it's like backed up by scientific research right um have you had have you have you been on a podcast with a with a heterosexual male before have you have you been challenged by a guy on a podcast yet i've had lots of podcast interviews yes and i've had all kinds of heterosexual men although i must say to be honest Every time I go on podcasts with heterosexual men, they seem to just want to talk about sex all the time. And I cut no. them off and go off those podcasts and I say to my wife, gee, I wanted to talk about things other than sex. Maybe we could talk about relationships. So, yeah, I've had, I've had that experience. But just to speak in answer to your, your question, Lauren, look, I, I, I don't actually know whether I chose the right title for the book in many ways. It, it was a title that I intended to get attention from. And that it certainly mm-hmm. did because – the title got me on TV in Australia and I've done TV interviews and podcast interviews and radio interviews. But at the end of the day, I think in a way, some people get the wrong message from it because we are living in this very ideologically fractured society where we have more conservative people saying, hey, men and women are different and there's nothing wrong with that. And then you have more work ideology sort of challenging that. And so people are very angry. And so the title can be a bit inflammatory. But my intention wasn't really to truly say that any human is superior or inferior to another. What I do do in the book is I celebrate what makes women amazing wives and mothers. And I think that that's been a bit lost in in all of this political negativity is that most of us have amazing mothers. And and what would our lives be without that? And, and, And many of us are very lucky to have fantastic wives. And so I wanted to celebrate that. But I think where the entertainment comes in, because Lauren, you asked about that as well. Why is it funny? I think the funny part is that when I got married, um, that's not the funny part, although some people might say this, um, but when I got married, um, 
it was really fascinating to me that so many couples have the same arguments. We'd get together with all our other friends and it was sort of the age when people were getting married. And so everyone was newly wed and we're talking about, oh, my wife bothers me this way and the wives are going, oh, my husband bothers me that way. And it was all the same issues being brought up. And I found that really, really interesting because we kind of all think we're different and unique and so special, but we kind of all human and quite similar. So that always interested me. So writing this book allowed me to discuss the typical kinds of fights that couples have and then look a little bit at the science of why that's the case. What about us biologically makes men act that way, makes women act that way? And it's actually very, very funny often to talk about what, what couples fight about. And I wanted people to pick up the book and read it and go, hey, that's what my marriage is actually like. And I found that that has been the case because I, I can't tell you how often Patients come to see me who've read my book and they go, always the women are laughing going, yes, my husband can't find things in fridges. You know, he, I'm always sending to find things in cupboards and he never can. And everyone laughs about that. But that happens in most houses around the world. So that was the funny part. Sorry, Jane, you wanted to, to add something. I think, though, that it makes so much sense because if you find that you are doing something or involved in something that is relatable, then you don't look at the grass as always greener. You don't start to question whether it's the right thing or not because it's the more common thing than you think. So for example, like the finding things in cupboards. So I don't have that issue, but he can't use a remote to save his life because his fingers like touch every button. And I'm like, what happened? How did this get here? So like we all have our thing. And I'm like, why do your hobbies have hobbies? But why? Why does the cat have fish? You know, why does the car have a crate? So what's with this stuff? And then you start to talk to other people and they're like, oh, well, mine has this or mine does that. And it makes your relationship comical because you can laugh at these things. It makes it more relatable because everybody's got stuff and weird things and quirks. But then that also, I think, is kind of endearing because like I picked the person whose quirks are these. So I'm like, okay, I signed up for that weirdo, you know? And when we can laugh about it, I think that's what makes it enjoyable and less of like a, oh shit, what is this life choice I made? But is it laughable because it's funny or is it laughable because it's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you relate to it. Do you know what I mean? And, but then it's like, but then, but then you're also in the situation of like, Hey, if my wife came and started living in my house, guess who knows where the shit in the cupboard is me. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's the, it's the, like it could go both ways. So it's like, you know, uh, you wrote something in one of your blogs, Dr. Ricky, about weaponized incompetence, you know, and it's, uh, and then you also said that it was a sexist thing to say, right? It was a sexist thing against men, but you know, is is it just against men? Well, the way look, the, read the title of the book, <laughs> read like what he's saying about sure. like men can't find stuff in cupboards, men can't do this, men can't think their way out of a what box. About damsels in distress, though, that's like weaponized incompetency. I can't do that. It's not for me to handle. But he oh, said, I- but he said it's he he takes it back and he says it's a it, well, right, to use that against somebody. We'll yeah? let Doctor Ricky explain, but why men can't find things in cupboards is just a correct me if I'm wrong, Doctor Ricky like a blanket kind of funny, just like the title of the book statement to explain how men compartmentalize things scientifically. Like it's his interpretation of a scientific fact. So well, what's the scientific fact? Well, because, what, because what, Dr. Ricky. yeah, because you know, like you said, you, this wasn't something that you studied. It's something that you, your wife said you should write a book about and you kind of felt, found your way into this. 
Tell us. Give us the goods. Okay, well, I think, I think first of all, yes and no. Um, I think the the answer there's, there's like probably quite sort of a barrage of questions that come through in that. So I'll try and I'll try and um, create some kind of reasonable narrative answer to that. So the first thing is there are common fights that couples have, and uh, if if that wasn't the case, I wouldn't have you know hundreds and probably thousands of people who fed back to me about the book that they relate so strongly to what I wrote, and they all have the same issues in their marriages. So for example, on average men have higher libidos than women. Now, that's not the case in every marriage, and certainly the women have higher libidos than men, but it is a very common marital issue, and there's no, that's not a sexist statement. It's just, it's a natural expression of biology because men have very high testosterone levels, and we are mammals, and if you look at mammalian species, the males tend to fight each other over the women and pursue the women, and that's something which we don't have to do. We can socially choose to do otherwise. I mean, if a beautiful woman, I'm married, but if I was single and a beautiful woman wanted to come and proposition me, I'd be delighted. But it's, it's, it, it is the way it is. That is a, a fact of life. So in terms of compartmentalization in brains, that is not my opinion. That is a fact. That's been proven on MRI studies. It's been proven in a multitude of different ways. So the, the, And men being unable to find things in cupboards as easily as women is a common marital complaint from, it's ubiquitous. Women send their husbands to find something because I can't find it, and they come and find it. And there is actually a, a physiological reason. there. No, <laughs> there's, a physio- there. there's a physiological reason for that, and that is that men are very compartmentalized in the way they use their brains. Now, that again is not my opinion. That is a scientific biological fact that has been proven mm. in a multitude of studies and replicated. Now, something else interesting to answer what Jen said, because she was talking about how men seem to have hobbies that have hobbies and lots of objects in crates in their cars and things like that. Interesting to that is that there is this big sort of idea that if we say that men and women are different, then we somehow are being sexist. And that is a very harming, harmful idea because if you actually look at the world as it is, every creature on this planet is designed to survive. Otherwise, it couldn't survive. There's actually a lot of complexity to survival, by the way. Every creature on this planet has very complex survival uh, needs to survive. For humans to survive, uh, women fall pregnant and breastfeed and nurture young. There, there's no disputing that. Um, and we are equipped, as all creatures are, so that we are born with every single tool that we need to survive. Otherwise, we couldn't. So women have special cognitive, emotional, and physical design to enable them to fall pregnant, have babies, and nurture them. That is not a sexist statement. It's a fact of life. And to dispute that women are able to do that would be just, I, I wouldn't even know where to start to argue with that because that's just a fact. At the same time, men are bigger, heavier, and stronger than women on average, and we are the protectors of the species. And if you look at any situation where people are under physical threat, it's the men who are going to step forward or should step forward because that's what we're actually designed to do. And again, that's been made into something sexist as if women are weak because men physically protect them, whereas it's actually something beautiful because we each do something for each other, we take care of each other, and within the diversity of that team, so we find happiness because we have different strengths. And look, there may be women in the world who are bigger and stronger than than their husbands, have a higher libido, and there may be men who want to bottle feed the baby all night, every night, and the wife doesn't want to. I'm not in any way challenging that or saying it's negative, but the physiological design that we have is what we have. That is a scientific fact. And within that construct, what is also fascinating, I didn't get back to Jen's point about objects, is that what we see in studies of humans is that babies as young as two months old 
between two and three months, female babies are much more able to distinguish between different faces than male babies. And male babies are more prone to noticing changes in their environment. And that actually continues into adult life. So women actually have a better memory for faces than men on average. And men are more preoccupied with things, whereas women are actually more preoccupied with emotional connection on average. So if you look Wait, at that... If Sorry, they're Jane. preoccupied by things, why do they lose the things? In the cupboard. That's no, too but many. Maybe <laughs> loses the remote and it's like on the floor or in his pocket. I'm like, it's just the remote. Put it back. Well, that's just organization, right? That's just. Or that's just is it physiological? It I mean, it's it's every specific person's their own thing. That's what he's getting at. No, Look, there I was a book. Know. There was a book called "Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus," right? And it was obviously a huge success, and it's a million copy bestselling. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it's no, very, it very well known. It was a million copy bestseller. Was it? Oh, great! Yes, All right, more. look at me. Yeah, so, but the but the fact, but the fact that it made it so simple in that title of being like, "You think and do these things, we think and do these things." And they're not always going to come together. Like, yes, there's going to be stuff that overlaps sometimes, but they're not always going to come together, right? It's just, um, it makes it seem like, okay, we can agree to disagree. Do, does that make sense? So I guess getting back to, I, I, and like you said, you, you might've mistitled it to get the attention and everything like that. But um, it must been how it must be hard to get men to buy this book without like their wives gifting it to them or somebody handing it to them or somebody going, Hey man, you know, I got this from my wife or a girlfriend or picked it up out of curiosity. You should try it. You know, you seem to have the same stuff. Do you find that's a, a, a case that like most men are kind of very standoffish with it when they first get it, get around it? Look, I, I, again, there's quite a few questions to mix in there. I, I actually think the world's moved on a bit from men are from Mars and women are from Venus in the sense that to me, that book was actually a little bit, um, we've moved on as a society from the idea that men come home and retreat to their cave, put it that way. And that, that is promoted in that book. We now have a situation where we have very pressured lives. Men and women are both working quite often. And my book actually promotes the opposite. I say that men need to come home from work and immediately pitch in and start helping their wives cook and clean and take care of kids because often both are working. And even if they aren't, women actually have emotional needs. If they've been with kids the whole day, that's, I, I did that myself. It, I was with kids the whole day when my wife worked, and I can tell you that it's much easier being a doctor than being a than being a parent to infants by far. Um, yeah, we, so we all agree on that. We all agree so, on that. And 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 I'll and I'll say to that I've just finished writing a book about parenting, which will be a while to get through publication. And my set my chapter on that time of life is actually called the rule for that time of life is make a pact to survive, because basically that's the best that most people can aim for during during that very hard period. But, but coming back to your questions, Rob, about, about the title, about those kinds of issues, I think there is a lot of value in people feeling normal um, and not feeling like the things they're fighting about are abnormal, that they can actually say, hey, this is something that many people face. This isn't an abnormal marriage issue. Lots of husbands are like this. Lots of wives are like this. But I don't think it's an agree to disagree issue. I think it's more of a let's come together and work together to make our marriage work and understand that there are some differences in the way that we think and move. And when we work together, those things are part of the team that we have. And that's no different to any other team because if you're working in a business and you have a 
you know, group of people working together. They're going to be diverse skills. They're going to be diverse personalities. And that's, that's what any relationship is. It's blending two different sets of skill sets and personalities. And you're quite right. There is, of course, great diversity in what men and women are good at or bad at. And even the general patterns don't apply to everyone. There's always going to be people who are different. And in fact, in my house, I have a crazy difference in my house because the classic gender stereotype is that the man is the guy who fixes everything and is sort of practical around the house. My wife is totally brilliant at fixing things around the house. She's just naturally, she can fix electrics, she can fix plumbing. And I think the greatest story I can tell you about that was that when we, we had a misbegotten rental once, we thought we were going to make money on the property market. We did not. Um, and uh, that would be another podcast discussion, how not to make money in the property market. That would be my uh, presentation. So we were renting this house out to people and it was like a money pit. We just kept spending money. And they said, the toilet's broken. So my wife, who was seven months pregnant, goes, I'm not spending any more money on this house. I'm going to go and do the toilet myself. So I said, but you've never done it before. She said, I can do it. There's Google. I'll work it out. So mm -hmm. the seven-month-old pregnant arrives at these people's house. They don't know us. I mean, they've never seen us. We've got a rental agent. Knocks on the door. They open the door. There's a, there's a seven-month pregnant woman standing there with, with a new toilet in a box in her hands. She, she marched into the house. She unplumbed the toilet. She plumbed in the new one, all working. And then well, my wife's very humble. She rang me on the way home and she was like, this is one of the times in my life I'm actually quite proud of myself. So, so yeah, so gender stereotypes are all very well, but of course everyone's different. But I think the main thing, I'd go back to what Jen and Lauren were saying earlier, and that is that there is no need for us to be adversarial about things that are different or the same. I think tolerance doesn't come from cancelling diversity. So I think tolerating diversity by definition means tolerating people who are different. And there is no question that most men and women will have differences in their, in their relationship, in the way that they approach things, in the way they think and move emotionally. And I think the important thing is that they take care of each other and, and find ways to make the other person happy. As for, men buying, agree. as for men buying my book, I mean, to be, to be fair, sorry to again create gender stereotypes, but a vast majority of the self-help book buying public are women. Men are not actually very into self-help and relationship books, believe it or not. That's, again, a fact, not an opinion. That's a statistical truth. So, yeah, I, I guess my market isn't really men. It's 50-50 on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, but I, mean, my, I mean, men just don't go to bookshops and buy books about how to create a better relationship, which is interesting. But it's, it's just not – statistically, your, your market is massively female predominant. Actually, the men who read my book – um, actually, I've really liked it. I haven't had any negative feedback from any who've actually read the book. They actually go, hey, this is funny because this is – and one man wrote to me and said, I'm so excited to know that the things that my wife complains about are actually normal, that other men are like this as well. So, Speaking about things that wives complain about, but we'll just go in general with your, your um, talking point of what is the number one – thing that couples fight about so there's a lot of different ones that you kind of just listed off but what's the number one common thing that's interesting i think if i always separate fights into fights that are profound and sort of break marriages and fights that are just sort of regular day-to-day -day fights that couples have so in the, the the profound fights that break marriage the most interesting thing is that the number one reason for divorce in australian statistics is inattention so the, the, this, more than 70% of people who get divorced when they say, why, do you get, why did you get divorced? They said, I wasn't getting enough attention from my partner, which is fascinating. It just shows you how we all need to feel valued and loved. But in terms of day-to-day -day fights, um, 
the, the number one fight in some studies is actually sex. People fight a lot about sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, one partner wants sex, the other one doesn't, and it becomes a fight. And it, it and I, I think there's a good reason for that. I mean, people, the other things is one how people fight about children, money, and sex are the three biggest reasons why, why couples fight statistically. Mm. But I think the thing about sex that's difficult is that if one, one partner is really feeling um, horny, so to speak, there's no polite word for it, um, that kind of is a, is a, is an emo, is a need. It's a, it's a physical need that they're experiencing. And when their partner's going, no, I'm not in the mood, it's quite difficult to resolve if the couple's not working. And I think often these fights can be a sign that the couple's not working. Because if the couple is working, then each partner is being very sensitive to the needs of the other. The what, the person who wants sex might be saying, hey, my partner's really tired, had a bad day. I'm just going to have to deal with this. And if if not, the partner, the other partner might be saying, hey, my partner's had a really bad day. I can see they're really in the mood. Sex would make them feel a lot better. And I love them and I want them to be happy. So even if it's not the I'm dying to do it right now, you know. So I think in a relationship that's really working, that that can be worked out. But as soon as there are any cracks in a relationship, of course, these kinds of conflicts can become quite acrimonious. Um, and it's like, you don't care about me. You don't want to give me what I want. And the other person, well, you know, you come to me when I'm in the mood. Why should I do that for you? So I think it's, it's, it's all about people taking care of each other is what works. Yeah, you had mentioned something too in one of your blogs about how um, I read your blogs, <laughs> but uh, you also mentioned something too about how, like how a guy can walk past a pile of laundry on the floor and not really notice it and not do anything about it, but if his wife walks in through the living room naked, he's up and ready to go, right? Like he's the, and that's got to do with you know our our the way our brains are wired and everything. But what you're basically saying here is right, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's more of like appreciation. It's not the laundry. The laundry is not the issue, right? Like we always talk about Lauren's dishwasher because like, this is like her big thing in with her marriage. It's like, I, I, I just want you to unload the dishwasher once. Not that I mind doing it at all. I just need you to fucking do it once without being asked to. Right. And then that's where the appreciation comes in. And then that person feels appreciated, which makes them feel loved, which makes them feel horny. Right. Whereas yep. the other way is like getting the sex from a male and getting that physical touch and that that validation is probably what makes us feel appreciated and want to pick up the laundry or clean the dishwasher out and that kind of thing, right? And, and what you're saying, Rob, is actually evidence-based. So what is fascinating is that according to modern studies, um, I'll come back to a point you made earlier and I'll answer your question. The, the point you made earlier is you said, hey, you're an endocrinologist and you kind of fell into this. But I, I, I would say to you in answer, like you just wrote this book, you're not an expert on it kind of thing. But I'd say to you actually, in, when it comes to writing a book on anything or being an expert on anything, I'm not claiming I'm an expert, but I think that you know we all are. We all have life experiences about relationships. I think all humans are, in a sense, relationship experts because it's what we're born doing our whole lives. And any any successful human being makes a study of what makes relationships work. You can't be a good doctor if you're not good at relationships. You can't be a good business partner. You can't be a good husband or wife. You can't do anything in life. And this and the most successful people in the world are generally people who understand other people and and understand relationships and i think we can all research things and understand them better and so any of these things is a journey so if you write a book you're reading and studying and looking at all kinds of sources all the time and if it's an interest area of yours how how does anyone become an expert well you know it's that's how you become an expert is by reading and researching and thinking about things and actually writing is a very interesting experience because when you write you force yourself to think about things because you want to explain something and while you're writing it, you go, hey, 
if I was I played devil's advocate myself and go, well, that doesn't work. Why are people like this? Why does this happen? So coming back to your point about appreciation, I was going to give you a very interesting and funny answer. With all the sexuality in the world that has become so overt that everywhere you go, there's semi-clad people and sex being sold on every street corner and every TV advert. The interesting thing about the world is that sexual frequency has actually dropped in relationships and marriage in the last 20 years in the world, despite all of this promotion of sex, which is fascinating. But Because, because of that probably, right? It's interesting. It's probably confounded by many things. But one thing that's interesting is there is one group of people whose sexual rates have not dropped, sexual frequency rates. And that is couples where husbands actually share the housework, um, which is fascinating. So the only and, – and that's based on a, on a big study that was done in America. Um, so it showed that – and I think there's a very good reason that comes back to what you're saying. And that is if a husband is selfish and he doesn't care about what his wife cares about – then why should she care about what he cares about? You're just creating resentment. And he comes, I want sex. And she's like, well, you know, you didn't even bother to clean up after yourself at dinner. I'm not a slave. And so that goes. And it, the, the practical side to it as well. I mean, if a woman's up washing dishes till late, she comes to bed tired. If the husband's there mm-hmm. helping her, it stimulates love. They both become more invested in working together. And it's all about caring about each other. So the more that both people invest in caring about each other and taking care of each other, like you were saying, the more that stimulates love and love stimulates desires to touch each other and be affectionate and affection stimulates sex. So I think all of these things go hand in hand. It all makes perfect sense to me. I mean, even just saying like one person's doing this lion's share of the work regardless is going to make that person more tired and less interested in something. And then also if they feel they're doing the brunt of whatever it is, they're also likely going to not respect their partner because they're not being an actual partner. Therefore, they're less attracted to them. So if both people are contributing in whatever way, maybe it's even but looks different. Like let's say Lauren always does the dishes, but James always does X, then you're doing two halves of the work that needs to be done and therefore it gets done and then you can actually spend quality time together. So you're dividing and conquering. And I think ultimately what you were saying makes sense about the caring about each other's needs, caring about each other's contribution to the entire dynamic, and then respecting each other and appreciating each other. So we're coming full circle to what Rob was saying. And everybody is happy. Therefore, they have more loving, romantic views toward each other and want to have sex. Even if you're exhausted, you might do it because you're like, holy shit, I get to be with you. Thanks for taking out the trash and doing the dishes. Damn, you're good. It's, it's also a great point, Jen. And yes, I think it, it goes back to kind of what we were talking about in the beginning of the show is um, not taking things so seriously too, because yes, I do, like I'm always the one who unloads the dishwasher, but I also, to be fair, and it's a great point that you made, Rob, but to be clear, I actually don't, my perspective does not take that so seriously. So I do not then think to myself, well... I feel unappreciated and he thinks I'm a slave or I'm a, the help, whatever, like the help around here or like, you know, all those negative, like inner monologues you might have with yourself when you're doing something and you're like annoyed and creating resentment. Like 
it goes back to remembering, is this why I married him? Because he was unloading the dishwasher all the time before. And I just thought, wow, that's like really it for me. I'm going to put that in my wedding vows. You unload the dishwasher. You're like, it's also you turn about, the forks down and not yeah, up. like also about making sure that you're not changing your perspective and putting so much importance on something that actually is that really why you're with this person? Like if you're not feeling appreciated, what is the real reason you're not feeling appreciated? It's definitely not because he's not fucking helping you unload the dishwasher. Cause it's just not, that's right. Not- but if you're, re- if you're reading his book and it, you see stuff like we fight because of the dishwasher, you're going to feel like kind of validated, but also like, like that you're related relating to other people that maybe it's not as big of a deal. A hundred percent. Because it's not just you guys that fight about it. Not just you guys. And it's not maybe also don't like put so much importance on unloading the dishwasher. And then also there's like safety in numbers. A lot of people get mad about that sometimes. And so like, oh, well, then just be mad about it and like work together as a team. Yeah, I'm relieved to hear you say that, Lauren, because I'm terrible at loading dishwashers. I just can't get the mechanics of it right. And my wife gets very irritated because she always has to reload half the stuff I've done. So I try really hard, but she always comes and somehow manages to put 20 extra things in and goes, how did you do such a bad job? But I want to talk to a few of the things that you've all said. And that is, I think there is a thing in women that I found, and, and certainly in my marriage, and I've heard a lot of women say this, that they do like their husbands to be thoughtful. And so it's not just the loading the dishwasher when asked to do so. Women really want men to notice things that they care about because it's kind of an extra dimension to caring. So when you say to your husband, go and load the dishwasher, that's an obedience thing. Uh, And I'm certainly very obedient to my wife. I always say to her, "Um, you need to learn who's boss around here so you can start giving me clearer orders. So um, so (laughs) that's an obedience thing. But when someone spontaneously goes and um, does something for their partner, that's really, really different because it shows that they've got that extra dimension of thoughtfulness and sensitivity that they're actually concerned about that person's needs. And I know for me, I, I try super hard. I'm just really not that good at it, but I try really hard to do those kinds of things for my wife that I know she'll feel excited about that I've actually thought to do something. My problem is I'm actually, I'm not a weaponized incompetence person. I'm a genuinely incompetent person. And so I often just get the wrong thing. And she always goes like, why did you do that? And I was like, I so thought I was doing the right thing. And she's like, no, that was a really bad decision. So, you know, but I think there's something to be said for, um, I know my wife really appreciates it when I do things for her and get them right without her having to ask. And she finds it frustrating when she goes, why do I always have to ask everyone to do everything in this house? It's actually frustrating. So I'm totally with you, Lauren, and I'm really pleased to hear that my marriage may yet survive my poor dishwasher loading skills. Um, I think you have some points. You, I think you have some marriage years points after you wrote this book. Oh, I think yeah. that you get out of jail free a few times well, down the road. When you call the other person superior, you win. Yeah, yeah. and speaking of that, you do win forever and ever. Best husband ever. But please tell us like some of the main reasons why you do think women are superior to men. Or not. <laughs> Or we okay. can skip that question. What's the next question on the list? No. Okay. Well, I think I think let's put let's put something to bed there and say that um, I don't think truly that women are superior to men in the sense that any human superior to another. I think we're all very equal and 
we all want to be valued and we all want to be happy in our relationships. And, and marriages only work when both partners are happy. So really, that's one of the points I make in my book. I've got a section called Be the Manager, which means basically any problem in the relationship belongs to you because it affects you as much as if, if one person's unhappy, both people are unhappy. And Rob, that speaks to your point as well. When we're talking about problems, we actually want to talk about solutions, don't we? So we can laugh about, in my book, there's a section called Why Couples Fight. And that's just a funny section where I talk about mostly humorous things that people fight about that are not actually serious, typical fights that men and women have that are not actually about, you know, divorce and, and being miserable. And with Lauren's point, it's all about the fact that I laugh at myself and say, hey, you know, I realize I'm a bit like this and it's a bit ridiculous, um, but that's, you know, something to laugh about. And I think we, we live in a world where people take themselves too seriously. And I think it's a very narcissistic feature of people that everything, you know, you can't offend me and it's discriminatory and it's offensive. And then people are brittle and angry all the time. But the truth is that the one person's company you'll never be able to escape is your own. So if you can't enjoy your own company and laugh at yourself, then you're going to have a long and miserable life. So I personally am not brittle about criticism. I usually agree with people when they criticize me and I find it funny and I laugh with them and I try and get better. So, you know, if someone says you're being an idiot, I usually am. I'll say, yeah, I am, but I'm trying to get better. You're lucky you're not married to me, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um in answer to the other question, though, about how women are superior to men, I do think there are qualities that women have that are extraordinary. And you could say there are things that men are definitely better at, like I'm definitely better at carrying heavy crates to put in the you know high places than my wife is. But I think one thing that I certainly do celebrate is the nurturing nature of women. Uh, women, incidentally, according to scientific evidence, are uh, more they, – they connect emotionally more powerfully and readily than men do to memories and to experiences. So it's not that men are not emotional and don't have emotional range because we're humans, but women actually connect more powerfully and more readily to emotional memory and emotional experiences. And that, interestingly, the amygdala, which is a, one of the regions that, that codes for emotional memory, it's fascinating, but men actually use the opposite side of their amygdala to women when they are connecting with emotional memory. So, so we actually are physiologically different in the way that we process emotional memory. In what, in what way, do, like give us an example of that. Oh, I need an example of that. Okay, because well, obviously my, my side of the brain's not computing. So <laughs> like, so like, you know, I'm uh, look, I'm on a podcast about relationships with two women and I'm constantly talking about, you know, emotional availability, emotional intelligence. And I feel like I'm a pretty straightforward person when it comes to, you know, being vulnerable. And I, and I am, I do find myself often apologizing for my gender, you know what I mean? On this, on this podcast, but like, and I know you, I know it's science and I can't prove otherwise, but like, it's hard to hear like when you're like, Oh, they do this and you do this. It's like, no, because I do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I guess what I'm saying is like when you're talking about that specific part of the brain that Jen's nodding to, because you know you can carry a crate and she can't. Then, like, like Be what fair, exactly? I, could. I just don't want to. <laughs> you know, you, you, she's saying you can't get as high as he can. So, I'm like, so what? What, what is that part of the states. brain? What does the left side of the brain compared to the right side of the brain do? Okay, well, that that's that would be a very long answer. I'd rather answer your well the point. It, it, the the one you brought up, the, more, the one you just okay, brought the up, the amygdala. Okay, so let's talk yeah. to to the points that you raised. I think the first and most important thing is men and women are far more similar than they are different. So we're all human, and so we all have happiness, sadness. 
emotion. Right. We're a very, very emotional species. I mean, men cry and men get very excited and women cry and get very excited and we get angry and women yeah. can be aggressive and men can be aggressive. We're one species. I always, say, I always say what makes us humans our ability to choose how we feel. I always say that and I, I stand by it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're all human. And the thing is that to get into a discussion about how men and women differ is not to lose the fact that in most ways we're actually the same because we're human. But it's not an interesting discussion to talk about all the ways that we're the same necessarily because that's kind of what well, we're the same, yay. So women can cry, men can cry. Okay, what's the next subject? So when we talk about the way that we differ, the differences are actually subtle. And so you might, for example, look at antisocial behavior in men. It's a very small minority, but antisocial behavior in men takes a very different expression to antisocial behavior in women. That's a sociological fact. And if you look at, I'll give you a really good example of emotional connectedness. On average, women are much more emotionally connected to sexuality than men. How do you prove that? Well, if you look at teenagers, boys want to have sex with girls. Like they run around chasing after girls, wanting to have sex with girls. And it's not a big emotional deal for them. If they have sex with a girl, it's wow. Like their friends will be like, you're awesome. Like she's hot. You know, that's, I mean, that's the nature of humans. On the other hand, women, teen, female teenagers are unquestionably, on average, very vulnerable to emotional damage from sexuality when they're younger because there is a much more powerful emotional connection to the act. So, for example, um, when a, a girl sleeps with a guy at age 15 and he goes to tell all of his friends, she actually might find that incredibly confronting and difficult. And if you look at the history of sexual relationships that break up in teenagers, they're actually often much more difficult for the for the females to get over than the, the males for that reason. The sexuality aspect of it is very and if you even look at in adulthood, in 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 marriage, you know, men often for them, sex is a very physical thing to some degree. I'm not saying there's no emotion, but they want to have sex. For women, think about it. It's an emotional thing. Do I like you? Am I in the mood? Has the day gone well? Are the stars aligning? Because why? Because it's an emotionally connected thing. And I think that's what's one of the powerful things that is superior in women in a sense is that I believe women, one of their great roles in humanity is they emotionally connect. So they are powerful at emotionally connecting a family. Now, it's not that men don't do that. But if you look at how callow a lot of young men are, like no offense, Rob, but if you go to the average 18-year-old party, the men are punching each other on the shoulder and they're drinking beer and they like, like I wouldn't marry I mean, I've, I, they are in Australia. I know that's for damn sure. But like, because I, trust me, I've been around plenty of Australians. But it's, but yeah, but it's also like, it's, I don't think that has, a, look, I can't argue science. I haven't done the research that you have. I haven't written a book and written things down. But like, but it, it, that's got to do more with like pack mentality, I think, than like actual motion. I think if if those friends were all together and they were the same type of male and they were going, hey, man, you know, how do you feel about that? Then I think it'd be OK for them to talk about it. I don't think it's like an innate thing where it's like, Lauren, I see you. I don't think it's an innate thing where it's like, you know, this is how they feel and this is how they feel, you know, the if a bunch of women are talk, sitting around and three of them start talking about how they just fucked somebody and they felt good and they wrote them, the other person, other four might join in. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, but maybe that I, then it's, it's hard. It's not typical. Like nature versus nurture, probably, yeah. in, in the pack mentality bit of like, 
what we know to be true is that like men were cavemen. It's like the whole thing. They protect families that women take their last name because they're like of the man's family and ownership. It just jumps like 700 years. Whatever. That's so how 7, thousand, 7 million years. Point is, is that there's an evolution. So if, for example, we're now discussing gender roles and how, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, you know, said one thing about the male and female genders and their responsibilities and their roles. Then what we're talking about now is like, we're looking at it from where we sit and the evolution of what we know to be true. We're also three people who openly talk about our feelings, emotions, how to process things, how to improve, how to work on stuff, how to research stuff why we should be in, everybody should be in therapy and have like seven Reiki people and astrologers on their board of directors. So we are, I think, evolved in terms of how we look at emotions and communication. But the average 18 year old may not have a family who promotes that. And therefore they go back to caveman like behavior. And also that's true. And I think that Rob, you are a little bit of an outlier in your, you say, even you admitted couple minutes ago that you often find yourself apologizing for your gender on this show. So I think what we're all saying here is that the majority of people, the majority of men, the majority of 18 year olds are punching each other's shoulders and slugging back beers and talking about fucking chicks. And you know what, to be honest with you, it's true. That is true. That's my experience. That doesn't mean every single fucking guy I know was doing that. Rob, you might have been the one guy in the group of 20 that didn't do that, that wanted to sit down and talk to me about my emotions. You also live in LA and you're also also an actor. So you're taught and trained to talk about your fucking emotions and cry and oh, and it's so cute. And now all the women are going to like me because of it. It's potentially it. But I'm just saying that's also maybe the way you were raised. That's also how you feel inside. I like to watch football a lot. And I like sports a lot. Jen doesn't even know the difference between football and baseball. So I'm just saying like there are some certain things that don't go into those gender roles. But Rob, you are a little bit of an outlier. But I think for the most part, in my experience, I think what Dr. Ricky is saying is totally accurate. So Rob's a new age sensitive guy, and I like that about you, Rob. By the way, um, thank you. So I just to, just to speak to that though is that I think whenever you talk about these issues, when we're not being black and white here, and I'm not saying that men and women that men don't have emotions at all, or that there aren't very sensitive men in the world, and certainly I don't think women are necessarily more emotionally intelligent than men. I'm purely saying that that women actually connect emotion more with memory and experience than men on average and that again is a scientifically proven issue there's actually studies looking at that but that doesn't mean that men aren't emotional it doesn't mean and and i would also come back to um some two other things about that physiologically the first is that when you talk about 18 year old boys punching each other um understand that men myelinate their frontal lobes much later than women so in fact women at um your frontal lobes are involved in like impulse control and sort of um, some of the way that you're, you're motivating your behavior. So people who lack frontal function tend to be impulsive and, and, and act on emotion and, and, and do really, you know, can be more violent, more aggressive, more less, less prone to filtering their, their thoughts, to put it that way. So uh, men actually physically only complete myelination of their frontal lobes in their mid-20s. Women do so much closer to their late teens. So in fact, from a brain development point of view, women are 
more sophisticated and mature emotionally at age 18 to 20 than men are in terms of physiology. Now, there again, are there some men who are incredibly mature at 18 to 20? Yes. Are there some women who are very immature at age 45? Yes. But these things are just the average case. And in answer to your question, I believe in the average case, if you go around, and this is a fascinating thing about the whole gender debate, you can go to any country anywhere in the world, non-contiguous humans who haven't been living with other humans, they're living in Nepal or in India or in South Africa or in South America, and you will find the same behavior in male teenagers and the same similar. And and if you look at female teenagers, they're often hugging each other and they're kissing each other. I was actually quite envious because I'm like you, Rob. I'm a new age sensitive guy. Whenever I saw the girls in my class at school hugging and kissing each other, playing with their hair, I was very keen to join them. Not to play with my fellow, my male friends' hair, but play with their hair. So I always thought I was very envious. I was like, I'd love to be sitting amongst that group. How lovely that they all sit hugging and playing with each other's hair. You would never find that in the male group. So some of that is socialized, but not all of it. And the reason we know not all of it is socialized because it doesn't matter the social culture. Uh, male teenagers are mammals. And if you look at the way male teenage mammals behave, they're butting horns. They are fighting over uh, females. They're trying to impress them. That's actually the way that nature has designed us to survive. And, and that's the way we are. And we can refine that because we have higher cognitive abilities. So you can become much more than just that. But at the end of the day, we are still males. And, that's, and if we want to apologize, yeah. Sorry, Lauren. No, I, I, I hear it. I think, you know, I do recognize the differences. And I, hey, I like men. I'm married to one. So I, I kind of like those things. Um, but you, 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 you're able to do a full on experiment for us, like real time and watch your, your two boys grow up and see how, how emotionally intelligent they I are. I know. At certain and they're ages. so different from each other too. But speaking of men specifically, you mentioned a mysterious empty, empty box that men retreat to Dr. Ricky. What does this mean? And what does that even look like? That's a very interesting question. It's actually a, a, it can be a very bad thing as well for men and a very good, I guess it's something which a lot of men do. So it's a common complaint of women that they wish their male partner would just talk to them when men are, um, you know, when this emotional angst, men often retreat um, and they go into mm-hmm. the sort of place where only they want to be. And I guess from a management of problems issue for the men who do that, it can be difficult because um, the more they retreat, the more difficult it is obviously to solve problems. Their partner assumes that that means that they are um, they don't care, that they don't want to connect. But in general, men seem to have this empty box thing that they go to because we have very compartmentalized brains. And again, Rob, I, because we've, we've been together a long time, I don't have time to explain all of this. But interestingly, the way women's brains work, even on, on actual scientific brain imaging, is they have much more diverse things going on in their brains than men. Men to tend to focus very much more energy in one part of the brain when they're doing something. So we are much more uni-focused by nature. And if you know with men, often if a man's focused on something, you can't get his attention, you can't distract him. And that's the thing he's focused on. Whereas women on average have this ability, sort of have lots of balls in the air. They know where the kids are, which one needs to be fetched at three o'clock, but they're cooking dinner and they're also talking to work on a Zoom meeting. And somehow all those things are working for them. So So with this empty box thing that men go to, it's like you don't find – like men like to just stare at a screen for hours. They're watching a ball game and you can't distract them. They're just sort of in this blank alpha waves, that thing that sort of seems to be good for men. Some men go fishing. It, it's not such a female thing to have the sort of staring blankly at a, at a screen for hours kind of thing. Or, you know, it, it seems to be a male thing. And 
Uh, I, I do wonder also whether that's one of the reasons why men have higher suicide rates and depression than women, because it's actually much more healthy to connect. If you're depressed, it's much more healthy to be actually connecting with other people, talking about your problems, whereas men, by retreating, it's actually, in a way, not a good coping mechanism to, to deal with problems. Rob, it's an interesting theory. It's an interesting theory. That's, I mean, that's I a think theory, that, not a fact, Rob. That's a theory. I know. I know. I, I can tell it's a theory because I have my own theory going the other way. But uh, God, I got to tell you how annoying it is to watch you two nod your heads so violently and well, like, I don't, I don't <laughs> like, like everything he's saying. So I, I will say this. What I love is that Dr. Ricky says something about women and it's like – kind of um, like just, you know, we all know it's commonplace information. We're emotional. We're all these things. We can multitask. We're great at the stuff superior, as he says, which I don't disagree with. But when he <laughs> speaks about men, he has to support it with facts, research, data to address Rob and the general <laughs> community who might ask questions and poke holes in that yet, albeit was right the first time, now supported with data. But I think because women, and maybe this is kind of like the segue there, is we are much more vocal. Vocal. We are much oh, more Oh, how vocal. ironic. <laughs> Honestly, it's that time. But because women are much more vocal about what they're experiencing, there leaves, I think, little question about why things happen and why we react a certain way maybe or what we need because we will tell you in hopes maybe. Sometimes people play games. That's a different story for another episode. But we will communicate, I think, more because we are more emotionally driven and will likely ask for help too. So men, on the other hand, though, do sometimes retreat to this box. We've all seen it. We all know it. We've dealt with it. Women can do it too. But at the end of the day, we are more likely to do whatever it is because of science, history, and then the however many people Dr. Ricky surveyed and history before us, which Rob is funny because you said I went like a million years back. But like the truth is, is there's a lot of data out there that show patterns. Sure, fear, people veer off from that because of nature, nurture, how we're wired, sexuality, all I don't know, religion, all the things that make us very uniquely us. But at the end of the day, there are some things we can't argue with, right? Because science patterns right dr ricky you're the doctor here well, not us we're just you know well, I, I, was I, was gonna, I was gonna no i think i was great um i was just gonna laugh about the fact that rob's the, the new age sensitive guy but i'm much more scared of him and have to defend all my <laughs> statements without it to him um but coming back to nobody said you were scared nobody's nobody's throwing any kind of well he's you know emo emotional <laughs> scaredness out there at all no no i was i was only being flippant um but coming back to your point jen i mean i think with all these things, one of the great ironies is how many gender stereotypes are bucked by my marriage, but it doesn't mean that they're not patterns out there. And, and it, I don't think anyone needs to feel offended by being different. And I think one of the greatest problems we have in the modern time is as soon as you say something is normal and average, people seem to think that that means that anyone is different you're saying is inferior, which is, which is not the case. I mean, there are patterns in the world. I mean, men are on average bigger and stronger than women. That's not a sexist statement. It's just a fact of life. And, it, you know, women have other qualities, which I've alluded to today, which, which well, again, this is how why we make such a great marriage team. Um, but when it comes to the issue of, of, of gender stereotypes, I mean, in my marriage, I was going to throw a, you know, a spanner in the works and say, we have the opposite. We are, 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 the, are get it wrong because when I'm miserable, I come home and I really want to hug. And when my wife's 
miserable. She comes home and she wants solutions. So, you know, you don't have to obey the rules. I think the saddest thing that we start seeing coming through in social media is like this woman put a cooking thing that she makes her husband this great lunch and she showed how she does it. And she got all this, this, these, um, hate, this hatred and trolls saying, you shouldn't be serving your husband and it's disgraceful and why can't he make his own lunch? And I think that's what really upsets me in all of this because it doesn't matter whether it's the wife who wants solutions or the husband who wants solutions and how they want to share their emotional needs with each other. A relationship is very personal and it's really about both people being happy. So it's about both people doing what the other person needs to be happy. And it doesn't matter what the stereotype is. It doesn't matter what the politics are. You are a unique personal couple and the, the idea that everyone wants to get into that space and tell you that what you're doing is right or wrong or that you shouldn't be doing it like that is, is actually quite upsetting to me because I think if the two of you are happy, then that's fantastic. Work with it and don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Uh, I am very glad that you just said that because everything that came out of your mouth right there was so truthful and for me, it rang very true and is very relatable. And I do, I, Rob mentioned that Jen and I were nodding our heads at everything you were saying, but I'm nodding my head because I'm totally agreeing that like, it's not a bad thing. If the difference between men and women aren't bad, in my opinion, I love men. I love the difference between me and my husband. And um, not everything is, I don't fall under every stereotype, quote unquote, if you will, but I do, I can relate to most of them. And um, celebrate the differences and don't be offended by them. I think it's great. Clearly, your book gets much deeper into those things. So um, remind everybody where they can find your book and listen to your podcast, because um, I think there's so much more to talk about. And people probably have a lot of questions. So if they want to continue the knowledge and listen to more of what you have to say, where can they buy your book? Where can they listen to your podcast? Thanks, Lauren. So Amazon in the US is selling my books so amazon.com. Um, Women Are Superior to Men. Then I've also got a podcast, Happy Healthy Ever After, um, which is on all the major podcasting platforms um, and easy to find. So thank you. Yeah, and you won't have to hear me in the background chirping. It'll just be him saying saying the important stuff without my my counter no, Rob, in the background. On the, on the contrary, Rob, I, I think that one of the saddest things that we're losing in modern society is the ability to disagree peacefully and chat about things. And, you know, I think all of us learn from each other and there is nothing wrong with disagreement. It's healthy and it's beautiful. And that's what makes for an interesting dialogue. If we all agreed on everything, then we'd have to stop talking. I 100% agree with your statement about talking about disagreeing. Well, that's what we're, we're all about here is rhetoric, right? Rhetoric. Well, and if you want to keep tuning in to listen to Rob continue to disagree about agreeing and disagreeing, because hello, it is complicated. Well, there are more episodes where that is found. So please keep tuning in because we've got that more dating and relationshipy stuff. And I mean, our own relationship is enough for a podcast in itself. But while you're there, please subscribe, rate, comment, share the show with a friend. And if you want to join the class of master daters or master disagreeers, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And where can everyone find you guys? You can find me at Forever's Evers on Instagram, F-O-R-E-V-E-R-S-E-V-O-R-S. And you can find me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meds. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meds as well. And we'll be back next time with another one. Thank you, Dr. Ricky. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to It's Complicated. 
And now that we're going steady, come back next week for another date with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers.